Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. And joining me today is Thibaut Machichal, who joins me to talk about his latest project, which is launching the company DuxReserve.com, which you will be very excited to learn about. It sounds like an amazing, amazing business that he's putting together. I have a very vested interest in this business coming to fruition. Thibaut's been around in the Bitcoin space for a long time. He's been working at Knox Custody for many years. If you've not heard of Knox, we also go into the service that they provide. They're a Canadian company uh, providing services for North America. But we also go down many other different rabbit holes. And I'm looking forward to meeting Tib again. Tib's one of the very few Bitcoiners I've met in real life. We met in Biarritz last year, and we shall be doing the same again this year, where he will be speaking at the Surfing Bitcoin Conference, thrown together by the Stack and Sat guys. Make sure you check into that and grab a ticket if you want to go. That is an unofficial shill. Onto the official shills. Coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. That's where you can start Stack and Sats in the UK and across Europe. Make sure you do it because you can smash by. They are an exchange. Or you can auto-buy, or dollar cost, or pound cost, or euro cost average, whatever you want to call it. You can also use Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash Bitten. They are going to help you start stacking sats across Europe. And, of course, in the US, you are covered by swanbitcoin.com forward slash Bitten. But make sure you take control of your sats and put them on a hardware wallet. Use the Bitbox 2 hardware wallet bitcoin only edition by shift crypto and go to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten to take control of your keys not your keys not your coin that is the mantra you must live by please make sure you are taking control of your keys please take your coins off the exchanges this is not a drill Enjoy this episode with Tib because we get into that as well and he has the same message. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoy it. All right, Tib, welcome to the show, brother. Great to see you again. Thanks, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be here. Hello, Loren. Hi. Now, uh, for the listeners, for the sake of the listeners, Tib and I, well, and you, he's one of the few Bitcoiners we've actually met in real life. Like, and we met at the, the conference last year, the Surf and Bitcoin conference in Biarritz. Yeah, but I didn't because you didn't want me to go. And to be honest, I don't think... I, I didn't want you to go because all, all of the talks were in French and they were very difficult to understand. But, and I just I, wanted to get drunk in the bar. So you would have been like a, a ball and chain. <laughs> Did you only go for like the drinks? Of course. I wanted to go hang out with Bitcoiners. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough to meet Tib and then he'd come for lunch with us the next day in Spain. Mm. That's what you do in conferences. Just meet Bitcoiners, have beers, and never watch the talks. <laughs> it, absolutely. And we're going back this year. And Tib, you're actually speaking there, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I got uh, offered a, a spot. Uh, very lucky to talk about Bitcoin and and shit coins, and answer the question: uh, Can a cryptocurrency ever replace Bitcoin? So it's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting debate. Am I gonna come this time? No, <laughs> no. I have a ticket for one day. I hope that's the same day Tibbs talking, uh, because I just want to go hang out in the lobby bar and then go for the rooftop drinks. That's. Uh, but then like all the all the bars and restaurants around hopefully will be open god knows we we can get into that in a minute with with Thibaut and his thoughts about what's going on here with all of this bullshit. um <laughs> but before we do that do you want to ask him a question yeah oh. so my mind has gone blank um so this what is it called his his thing Ducks. Yeah, ducks. So, ducks, what does it do? And why did he decide to call it ducks? <laughs> That's a really good question. You should ask my uh, co-founder, Alex. He picked the name. Um, so, ducks is... Um, it, it's actually a Latin word, which means uh, it's the top pupil in a class. So, it's, uh, it is a, a really good student uh, who usually tends to... Uh, to be a, a leader. And so ducks is um, also an, a nice analogy for when you have an orchestra and you have a maestro, the one sort of, you know, driving all the instruments to, uh, to play the, the, the melody. Uh, well, the guy doing this is not actually playing any music and yet he allows and enables the music to be created and played. And um, we decided to use ducks because our first product that we released was uh, what we call a, a Bitcoin key manager. So it's a way to help users manage their keys, create secure multi-signature wallets uh, without ever touching any private key. So we let it all in the control of the user. And so we thought that Ducks was a really nice analogy to the, uh, the music orchestra. Um, and overall, Ducks as a, as a company uh, we like to call it a Bitcoin neobank. So, you know, could be everything and anything. Uh, and what we really do, uh, our first product is, um, is, a bit, is a way to purchase Bitcoin in France. Um, so we say you can have your current account in euro with DUX and your savings account in Bitcoin. And so really the mission of DUX is uh, we want to allow French people to be able to understand Bitcoin as a savings account, as something to preserve wealth over time and gradually help them transfer over some of the wealth they keep in savings account, which yield nothing and lose value over the years and help them gradually switch over to a Bitcoin standard. So uh, we're still in the early days, but getting there. It's very exciting. Mm. And just to clarify for you, it's spelled D-U-X. So it's not like D-U-C-K-S. Like... Uh, I thought it meant like an actual <laughs> yeah. duck. I was like, do you like sell ducks or something? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could be the side, uh, the side hustle, selling uh, cooked yeah. ducks. Well, yeah, we do live in the land of ducks here, right? Yeah, we um, do. You know, we're in the Perigord Noir, where we have uh, canard everywhere and foie gras. So... Nice. Yeah, but no, Dux is D-U-X and it's a Latin word as um, Thibaut was explaining it. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, no canard from Thibaut. 
<laughs> oh, what a shame. <laughs> Do you have any I'll, I'll bring one uh, next time for the barbecue. Yay! Some nice margaret. Some nice margaret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, any other questions for Tib? Uh, no. And also, I have to go anyways. So. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry we're eating into your time. That's fine. <laughs> what do you have to go and do? I have to go do writing and then 3D modeling. You have a writing club right now? Yeah. Okay. Au revoir. Right, bye. Thank 3D you. modeling. That looks awesome. Bye, Lauren. Really bye, bye. Yeah. All right, mate. Let's stay on ducks because this is a very cool uh, thing that you're building. And I want to ask you what's it been building? What's it been like building? in a bull market because generally what happens people knuckle down in the the bitcoin winters and the bear markets and get to work but you guys have been knocking this out whilst it's been going crazy out there uh there's <laughs> going to be nothing stopping you um you've obviously had lots of challenges which we can get into like with the, the regulators and everything but yeah it's um what what made you focus first of all on France and that first product that you were talking about. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, building in uh, the current sort of cycle. Um, I mean, I haven't seen too much of a distraction for us. And personally, I was uh, busy working on uh, on Knox custody and the lags bear cycle and uh, and also learning about Bitcoin. Um, and now that I'm working on, on ducks and building the whole, uh, the whole business, uh, I find myself having way less time shitposting on, on Twitter and, uh, and reading blog posts of, uh, other really smart people in the space. So, uh, I'm glad that, uh, sort of, I took time to do it in the last bear market. Um, and so, I mean, why France, uh, not for its tax? That's the first, uh, <laughs> that's not the reason why. Uh, well, because it's home, first of all. Um, so I did you know, nine years in Canada, studied there, worked there, learned about Bitcoin over there, met some awesome Bitcoiners. Um, now all the Montreal crew is essentially split uh, across the world uh, between Costa Rica, Mexico, uh, the US and Europe. So it's... Uh, it's pretty uh, interesting, the sort of uh, this this phenomenon that happened in Montreal. Um, and so for me, yeah, I came back to France last summer um, and wanted to build. Uh, I've been wanting to build sort of a, an on ramp for for a while, like making it simple for for my friends and family. Because in Europe, I I kept recommending you know the big trading shitcoin platforms because um, there was no no really good alternatives. Now there are, there are more, you know, Relay, um, you have a uh, stack inside in France. There's uh, there's 21 Bitcoin app. Like there's a bunch of new alternatives in Europe. So it's, it's really good to see. Um, but I still think Europe is a, is a very nascent market uh, and France in particular. Uh, and yet there are lots of, uh, lots of people in France and lots of red pillable folks, right? We're seeing it in their current uh, uh, current days with the, uh, the, the Vax Pass and all this uh, nonsense that's happening in, in France and in Europe and, and pretty much everywhere. So, um, so yeah, we thought that uh, myself and my partners, that it would be a, a nice jurisdiction to start in 
um, because it's close to the heart because there's an interesting opportunity in terms of business. And also finally, there is uh, regulatory clarity. Um, And, you know, of course, ideologically, Bitcoiners don't like to be uh, to be sort of constrained by these forces. But the reality is, if you want to if you want to have a, a brokerage business in uh, whether it be in Europe and Canada or, or the US, you somehow have to deal with those uh, regulatory regimes unless you're building something totally peer to peer. But most on ramps are still regulated to these days. And, uh, and so, yeah, France brought a really clear regime. Um, there is sort of a well-defined supervision. It is cumbersome. It requires a lot. It is, uh, I would say, a medium, so far, medium barrier to entry. Like you can't just start a business to on-ramp customers in, in Bitcoin in France without spending, you know, six months working on the, the legalities and, and the regulatory compliance and working with lawyers to sort of build your anti-money laundering policy. So I would say like, this is the downside, but for us, the bet is that anyway, this regulation is going to happen and is going to go in Europe and Europe is going to most likely use France as a sort of as a, uh, as an, uh, an influence um, to, uh, to build a, a European wide uh, regulatory regime. So, our, our goal here is to be regulated in France, do, uh, do a really good business in France and, and be helpful to French people. And then if ever we want to go abroad and, and beyond those borders, then we'll, we should have a, at least the first step figured out. At what point did you think, fucking hell, like this is enough. I can't, we can't do it here. We, we've got to move somewhere else. Did, did you ever come up against that point during that six months of like... <laughs> Swimming through the molasses every every two three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, you think you're building a, a tech business, and you're actually building some kind of financial regulated business. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been a it's been a discovery uh, now. So you know, it's awesome because we got our what they call the the DASP registration which stands for Digital Asset Service Provider, which encapsulates all Bitcoin and shitcoin companies and activities. Um, yeah, I mean, it took a while. It was, uh, we, we had really good lawyers, so they, they helped us in the process and they're really, really nice people. Um, but uh, if, I, if, and if I were to redo it, I would, uh, I think I, I still would redo it because it's, uh, it's inescapable. I think there are a few loopholes with Switzerland and all this, but I mean, I, I don't have the, the citizenship. I don't have the uh, the residence or nor the business partners over there to have uh, such a structure in place. So, uh, but yeah, it's been a it's been a process. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what about when you turned up in France from Canada? What did you feel when you finally got here and you were trying to plug into the Bitcoin scene? Uh, I mean, for, for France, the, the group of Bitcoiners that I knew was much smaller. It feels like Canada is a bit more, um, like more mature in terms of companies, in terms of, uh, yeah, just entrepreneurs building businesses and running businesses. 
um, you know, for instance, in Canada, there are, I would say, 10, 15 exchanges that are really active. Like they do, you know, lots of volume. Um, in France, I know of three local exchanges that do really low well, average volume. And yet there are, it's twice the size of Canada in terms of population in France. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I would say there are a few, perhaps it's a few years behind, right. In terms of, uh, of maturity, which is great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel French people are, are pretty receptive to, uh, the Bitcoin value prop overall, um, takes a little bit of time because I think there's still a pretty negative optics around Bitcoin, whether it be around, you know, it's for criminal activities or, or it's boiling our oceans or it doesn't have any intrinsic value. You know, you know, all the, all the FUD, uh, dice points, um, but uh, when you have those discussions, uh, personally, I've, I've had great discussions with like my butcher, people at the, the post office. Uh, even last time when I came back from Miami, I had a, a red pilling session with the customs agent in Paris. And we had a, like, it was a 25 minute discussion with like myself and five agents of the border who were asking me questions about Bitcoin and how to purchase it, where to purchase it, why, uh, and how much this should be putting in. Uh, yeah, I mean, people are, I feel there's the, there's a movement that's happening this year. That have been weird, man, getting questioned by customs agents thinking you're about to get arrested, but they want to know <laughs> how they get involved with this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was hilarious. I arrived at the... The, the border the border basically um they asked for my my uh my passport and they saw well actually they saw this t-shirt the btc pay server and they were like oh uh are you uh, do you know about bitcoin and i'm like yeah why and say oh well your t-shirt and uh i was like oh yeah yeah well i was just at a conference in miami um and then he goes can i talk to you for for a second and i go uh sure yeah he, he goes yeah come here and so I, I actually went, I crossed the little border, went in his office. He didn't check my passport. He called three other colleagues um, and we started chatting about Bitcoin. And at some point I was like, fuck, like what's happening? Like, am I going to get interrogated like they did, you know, to me in the US for two hours or, or, or not? And it was just, uh, just a friendly chat. So, um, yeah, I mean, you see all these... Um, for instance, uh, customs agents were completely red pilled, completely aware of the um, you know the, the restrictions and how sort of like onerous they were on people. They were aware of you know the uh, the bullshit that goes around in politics. Um, I mean, it's uh, yeah, when, it, when and these people are employed by the state, right? There and they're key elements of the state because they sort of guard the borders and and the territory and make sure everything is uh, everybody that comes in is sort of a you know quote-unquote legit um and so uh yeah it, it, i feel like bitcoin is gonna infiltrate everywhere and in france the sort of uh the the entry points are very uh very thirsty for for that knowledge so uh, i feel it's uh it's a really good country to uh to uh to launch a bitcoin business 
Mate, that's awesome. And I tell you what, when I came back from Spain, we managed to get away in June for a couple of weeks. Uh, we come back, we flew back um, into France. And when we got to the passport control, I was dreading it because we had like two attestations each, which we had to fill out. We had test certificates and all of it, like just so much paraphernalia. It was a joke, mm -hmm. especially if you're multiplying that by six, right? Uh, and we get to the front of the line and I'd been wearing my mask under my chin the whole time queuing up. And when it comes to my turn, I'm expecting, I hadn't really been paying attention. I'm expecting to have the mask down, but then it's like, oh shit, no, you've got to put the mask up. So you do the complete opposite to what the guy has been trained to do. You hide your face in front of him as you're <laughs> entering the country. And he looked at the passport. He didn't take any notice of it. He didn't ask for any of the other documentation and just waved us through. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's profession, he's doing the opposite to everything he's ever been trained and taught to do. And he's doing the complete opposite for this facade that we're living through. It, it, I couldn't imagine how demeaning that must be for, for those people to, to have done that. Because two years ago, you'd have been asked to remove your cap or your glasses, right? You know, you, you, cannot, you cannot come into the country unless I can see your full face. Now, Nah, you can keep your hoodie up, your cap on, and your mask on, in your come, son. It doesn't make any sense. So it's weird that you had that um, realization or the, the customs officers here wanted to question you about it. I think that's amazing. That's an awesome story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they, they emailed me also. Um, really? Before. Yeah, yeah. We had a few, uh, few email exchanges. Um, Are they on the uh, wait list for ducks? <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is awesome stuff. This is classic Bitcoin stories. So what happened then in the US? Because you said when you flew into the US, you had a two hour interrogation, but did the reverse happen there? Or was that just what was going on? Yeah. I mean, in the US, I've been uh, on, I don't know, whatever list they have uh, for a few years now. And anytime I come into the US, I get what they call secondary screening. So uh, they invite you to, uh, they basically keep your passport when you cross the border. They call a special agent. The agent sort of comes over, uh, you know, called me and uh, invited me to follow her in that side room, right? It's like a basement and no windows, no nothing. And, um, you know, there, there were perhaps like 30 people waiting in this room. And uh, yeah, I've been told to wait there until an officer called me. Um, and then I had a discussion with this guy for like 25, 30 minutes. And he was asking a bunch of random questions about, about um, my life, right? Asking about education, what I was doing for work, why I was coming to the US, uh, what was my last trip, uh, who's my girlfriend, what does she do? Like really like personal questions. Um, and he he was a nice guy, or, or at least he was pretending, and he did it pretty well. Uh, he offered me some water, and we had like a kind of a, it didn't quite feel like an interrogation, though it was one, you know, like you could feel the guy was either very friendly or very well trained. And, uh, and he was taking notes on all the stuff I was saying, but like detailed notes. Um, and then after 25 minutes, he was like, okay, thank you, mate. Have a good one. And, uh, and I left, um, <laughs> That's bizarre. and it's, 
it's always like this. It's very bizarre. So I don't know if they compare the 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 points that I you know tell them each time and see if there are discrepancies and and errors, um, or if I don't know. I don't know why they do this because um, I haven't done anything special in the U.S. Right? I'm no uh, no special like media guy or or not well known or anything. So I uh, I have no idea why uh, why they do this. Um, I know that he was questioning also about my my time in Turkey because I essentially because I flew from the U- Europe to the U.S. I had to do a two week mandatory external trip outside of the EU in order to fly to the US because um, you know inbound flights um, from the EU to the US were banned uh, so they he asked about this and uh, yeah that was pretty much it man looks like you had a great trip in Turkey you, you guys were sending over pictures you and Stackmore uh, that uh, that looked awesome yeah it's a real uh, real citadel where he uh, he invited me um, we went to uh, Alicetti, if ever you want to go visit. It is um, next to Izmir in the southwest of Turkey, next to the water. It's beautiful. It's like a little, it's a little citadel. Like everything is in uh, old buildings or are built in old stones, lots of flowers everywhere, no cars. Like it's only, it's a walk only type of uh, little town. Food is uh, super diverse and delicious and quite affordable. Highly recommend for uh, for a trip or 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 even yeah as a potential citadel in the future. <laughs> All right, mate. We we can't not ask you about Miami. You uh, you've spent all of this time in France and in Europe, being locked down, having to wear a mask every time you want to go and buy a croissant or a coffee or do your shopping in Carrefour. You've got to wear these freaking things. You turn up in Miami. What happens? Oh man. I mean the whole mask here is is complete bullshit. Like it, it drives me nuts every day that you have to wear it. And you know, I want to stop bitching about it because the reality is uh I mean, yeah, if you don't wear it, they're gonna kick you out of the stores or whatever. So it's uh by the way, I always get into arguments with people because I wear it on my on my chin or or under my nose and uh rarely over my nose because it just bothers me so much uh but yeah miami you arrive no mask no lockdown no quarantine no curfew no distancing no bullshit no nothing i mean you see a few people wearing masks like you know uber they ask you like if you have a mask but like when you see the drivers like nobody's wearing them and uh and yet there's no mass death counts right there's no uh horrible uh diseases you know taking over the place and uh and destroying all livelihoods so it uh makes you wonder right i mean like you and i like we we've been talking about this on twitter for the last two years year and a half at least um and um so i mean like it felt really good it felt amazing to see uh to see all these free people basically doing their thing um and then when I came back to France, uh, telling my family about it, my friends, they, it's weird because I was telling them like, how can you sort of tolerate this amount of crap in France, knowing that, you know, only a six hour flight from here, it's totally open. 
and there's no horrible sanitary situation. Um, and I, I could feel like there was a bit of a, like a very str strong discomfort, you know, and like people tend to avoid the, the conversation and you tell them about it, but like, yeah, I'm telling you, like nobody was wearing masks, no distancing. And they go, yeah, but you know, it's the U S and, uh, and, and whatever I, you're like, but what do you mean? Like, there's no there's zero rationality in, in this. Like you can't deny the, the fact that you're being fooled basically um so anyway it, it's uh it was great miami is a was an amazing city um it's a little bit of a degenerate city to be frank you know like uh big sports cars uh huge parties all night long and uh drugs and alcohol and all of that stuff so i mean like for for a few days it was it was amazing uh, and seeing all the bitcoiners was just Yeah, it was it was insane, um, but I, I wouldn't live there. It's just uh, it's a bit too much. What was it like walking into the conference that first day? <laughs> it was uh, it was it was uh, excellent. I mean, you arrive and it's a huge venue, open, and uh, you see all these people just walking around freely. So that was great, and then just bumping into Bitcoiners, right? Um, you know, I I had been chatting with a guy on the first day for like maybe 15 minutes and he was a nice dude. Like we were chatting about, you know, Bitcoin stuff, economics, whatever. And, uh, at some point he goes, yo, by the way, I'm Giggy. I'm like, Oh really, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Tim. And he goes, Oh man. Awesome. And you know, we go and do the, the hug thing. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. And I mean, like happened, you know, for the three days, it was like this basically. Um, so I guess that's the really nice part of, uh, Bitcoin conferences, meet, meeting, the, the NIMS, uh, the ones that you, you know, nothing about besides, I mean, you know, everything about besides their, the most important trait in like meat space, which is their face. Um, so yeah, it was, it's a, it's, it's one of the best things I would say, especially during these days, just being around people like you like you and I who think critically of this whole situation um, and talk about Bitcoin is, is always amazing. But besides this, like there's a level of, uh, of curiosity and intellectual rigor that Bitcoiners have, which is, uh, which is really special. And I, I feel like Bitcoin is the only way to scale that, you know, like you, there's all my other social circles are, they don't have that. They don't have that level of, of, of curiosity and, and critical thinking. Only Bitcoiners have it. Um, so I wonder, like, is it Bitcoin polling individuals who have that level of critical thinking? Or does Bitcoin actually change you right, into, into actually having that critical thinking? And I, of course, perhaps it's a little bit of both. Um, but I know for me, like it was, uh, it was the latter, like, uh, always been like a bit curious and, and all, and kind of against like authority or like, and, and sort of, you know, knew that there were some weird things. Um, but yeah, Bitcoin really, uh, changes you in that regard. And so, yeah, being around all these people at the conference was, uh, it's a blessing. It definitely forces you to start going down some rabbit holes, right? I mean, it just holds up a mirror to first yourself. And then shines a light 
on all of the bullshit systems that you've been surrounded by your whole life. Now you, you then have the choice. It's like, do I look in the mirror? No, that's too painful. Do I look what's being lit up in front of me or do I just turn the light off and carry on regardless? It's like, it definitely, it's going to get, it's going to get everybody in the end. I think we all know this. This is what, uh, you know, is so inevitable about Bitcoin, but it's those that are ready to explore those challenges to the narrative that are going to get it quicker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. It's the Bitcoin rewards curiosity um, tremendously. And um, I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to understand that, it. That too. And, uh, and it's highly uncomfortable to be in your 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever the age is. And I guess the, the most, you know, the, the, the older it gets, the harder it may be getting. And realize, holy shit, I got it all wrong. Right, my understanding of it is all flawed, and and you have to sort of deconstruct that learning and and be willing to question stuff. And uh, yeah, it's um it's a process. It's a it's a huge process, but it there's no um, I don't think there's any area in in your life that you won't question after being able to accept that Bitcoin may be uh you know better money, for instance. Yeah, mate, 100%. All right, let's talk about uh, Ducks again, because uh, I want to talk to you about the, uh, the the flagship product that you were explaining to Lauren, so we can get a little bit deeper into that, so people know exactly what to expect. Uh, as far as I'm aware, that that service is available. You have launched that, and you're next going to launch the DCA. Is that correct? So, yeah, the, the first product, the um, what we call the, the key manager, um, essentially, it's a multi-sig coordinator. So other ones that are more popular, of course, is Spectre Wallet, um, Caravan from Unchained, uh, Lily. Like There are a bunch of other, other ones out there. Um, ours, we released it in April of this year. It's still in beta. It's free. It's open source. Um, and uh, we don't use it as a... We don't promote it as a commercial product yet because it's still too early like we want it to stabilize a bit um, and right now what it allows you to do is create a two of three multi-signature uh, wallet and, and store your bitcoin with uh, either uh, a ledger a cold card or a treasure all together uh, and, and manage that from your desktop um, so that was the first product that we released we uh, we're thinking of of adding other services on on top of that um, namely, you know, adding a one key holder as part of the mix. Uh, so similar to a CASA model or Unchained. Um, right now, we're only thinking about this. Like it's not, uh, we haven't been working on it yet uh, because we've been focused on the, the second product, which is, uh, which is the one that uh, is going to bring in some, some revenue for Dux. Uh, right now, this product is, uh, so it's a mobile app to purchase Bitcoin whether it be a one-time purchase or recurring, um, it is not live yet because we are waiting for our second registration with uh, a second regulator. 
Uh, and that, funny enough, has nothing to do with, uh, with Bitcoin. It is on the, on the banking side of things. Because the way we're, we decided to, um, to operate Ducks is um, to basically have bank accounts dedicated to our customers. So each of our users are able to get an individual bank account with a unique IBAN. Uh, and so that in the future is going to be useful for a lot of different things, such as uh, one of the cool ones being issuing a, a payment card uh, for Ducks that uh, would give Bitcoin back rewards to our users, right? So you would be able to pay with this card from your Ducks Euro account uh, and get Bitcoin back rewards deposited into your Bitcoin savings account, which is also with Ducks. Uh, in your custody or in ours, that's up to you. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so now we're looking for a launch in October. If everything goes well with uh, the regulatory registration, of course, it is pending that, uh, that registration uh, with the, uh, this time the uh, ACPR, which is another instance of, uh, of regulators in France. And, uh, and yeah, so um, with that, we should be able basically to be uh, really a, a Bitcoin neobank. So offering in the future, again, like standard neobank services where you have your Euro account, you have all your transactions uh, and this payment card that I mentioned and having it really connected to your, to your Bitcoin savings account. Um, and then there are a bunch of other cool features that we have in the backlog. They're, you know, dreams of ours for now. And uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're really focused on on doing one little thing well at the beginning and then deploying other features because yeah, if we try to do it all at the beginning, like we're we're you can't, right? You have a we have limited bandwidth and we have to be focused and and do one thing well and and then uh and then take it from there. I can't tell you how much I want this. <laughs> oh man. I mean, goodness me. That's the goal. Oh, I, I want to drop my bank. I want to oh, drop my banks. Just um, so you're telling me come October or November, I will be able to open an account with you guys, switch anything I've got with Credit Agricole, you guys are my bank, anything that I want to sweep into Bitcoin, I could just do it on the app. And you're going to give me a card that I can go do my shopping with, my groceries, whatever, each week and get sats back on those spends. Not on day one, but okay. yes, that's, that's the this goal. is the dream. On, yeah, on on the on day one, we're we're only fo focusing on uh, buying Bitcoin. Okay. Um, and essentially, we we architected our our banking so that we can offer the that feature soon in the future. Um, hopefully, right, twenty twenty two, but. Right, we, we never know. There's going to be a first off. We want to launch that uh, Bitcoin purchase service and and then uh, add on the other ones. But yeah, definitely the card is is going to be the the important one so that so that I can switch my bank account uh, into Ducks basically because that's the only thing I need. Right, I don't have a a credit line on my bank. I don't have a mortgage, so I, I have a very basic payment utilization of my bank account and if i have a card 
and the account is pre-funded with euros, that's good enough for me, right? And if I can get stats back on that, well, it's it's amazing. So, um, so yeah, that's the goal. I I won't tell you it's gonna happen on day one because it's not. But uh, be uh, you know be a little bit patient, and we'll uh, we'll have the the first cards uh, issued uh, soon. But from day one, I will be able to fund my account, open the account, fund my account, and use that account to DCA. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Or ECA, I guess. Euro cost average. ECA. ECA, <laughs> that's the way. Yeah. That is the way. So let's talk about that because there is so, I don't know, man. Twitter just seems to be blowing up at the moment, like with technical charts, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, you know, I spent 18 years in foreign exchange markets. I sat next to a technical chartist, analyst, whatever you want to call them, for a, a year or two. It, it really is crystal ball, reading tea leaf stuff mm-hmm. in markets that have been around for God knows how long, right? And now we have Bitcoin. It's a new market. <sighs> Look, it, <laughs> There's so much to dive into and please, yes, study the numbers, but, you know, trying to predict the forward price of Bitcoin, we're always going to get burnt. Dollar euro cost averaging, fiat cost averaging, dollar cost averaging, whatever you want to call it, is always going to be your friend in the long run. So if you want to help push that message and and why you guys are are strong proponents of of this method. Yeah, 100%. I mean... I think technical analysis is a uh, is such a fiat uh, habit, basically. Like it's a it's a, it's a fiat activity. Um, for for Bitcoin, I mean, it's it's too volatile. Um, and I mean, maybe one percent, point one percent of traders maybe making money on that strategy on on that um, yeah on that premise. But most people are just gonna get wrecked, uh, stressed out get gray hair, uh, lose immense amount of time watching screens, not learning anything interesting. Um, yeah, TA is a huge waste of time. Uh, and it's stressful. I mean, I've tried a little bit because I had to make the mistake because I was a you know, stupid, naive person trying to trade the market at some point. Because, you know, I guess perhaps most newcomers think of, Bitcoin or the broader crypto sphere as a as a trading um, as a trading environment, and perhaps the whole crypto shitcoin stuff is. But uh, for for Bitcoin, if you're trading Bitcoin, day trading Bitcoin, um, you're probably misunderstanding the beast. Um, I mean, unless, you know, you're a very sophisticated investor and you know what you're doing and you're trading cycles and even that is risky and we've seen funds get wrecked doing this. Um, you're probably yeah, misunderstanding Bitcoin and its fundamentals because right now, acquiring BTC today, yesterday, tomorrow, like it, the entry point doesn't matter. You know, there's this saying, you know, time in the market beats timing the market. Um, I mean, it to me, like this, this is it. It sort of uh, it encapsulates uh, euro cost averaging. Um, just uh, schedule it daily purchases, weekly, monthly purchases. Forget about the market. Forget about the volatility short term. Sure, you can check the price if you want, but uh, 
the price is not a deciding factor for you to to allocate your money because um, you're not you're not trading you're not you're not investing in bitcoin you're saving and when you save your money in uh, in your bank account these days you're not trying to time the market okay is the euro uh, you know euro to whatever other currency like good enough like should i allocate to euro like no just you're just putting aside some euro for the future um and i think if yeah if people understand that bitcoin is about saving and not investing then timing the market and one time emotional purchases are drastically going to reduce i mean you should you should perhaps you know keep a little bit aside for buying the fucking dip or stuff like that uh But uh, most of the money that you put into Bitcoin, if you want to do it well for the long term and you understand fundamentals and you have a life on the side of, of technical analysis, um, yeah, Euro cost averaging is the way, the only way. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, you, you are just, you're going to get wrecked. You really are, especially if you're, you're going to use any kind of leverage, you're going to get margin called. And then it's all gone. Anything that you had managed to purchase is gone. It's wiped out and you still owe the exchange cash. It's just a fool's game. And I really want to push this message to people that are coming in, especially if they're new, just acquire. And one thing as well, Tib, like, you know, if you're looking at the price, say you've stacked, you've got X amount of sats and you just want to keep checking the price and it's now worth X amount of euros, there's still only euros like that, that right you know what who cares like be one one it should just be like a it should be sha 256 it should be like a one-way trade here's my euros for bitcoin no coming back uh until such a time that maybe i can spend it for that thing that i want for the house or for the car or whatever else you know that the classic kind of examples rather than have to convert it back into into fiat uh because it's I mean, we're, we're complete apples and oranges. You can't even compare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, exactly, it's one way. Um, and uh, we're, I mean, you're seeing on-ramps that only allow for this, right? One way sort of get into Bitcoin. And, and if you want to sell, go somewhere else, basically. Um, I think that's pretty cool. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice, opinionated way of, of having a, a product and, and basically being a, being a friend to the, to the noobs, right. Who may be a bit emotional with markets and, uh, and not understand perhaps all the fundamentals right away. Um, and again, without being, um, sort of, um, um, kind of, uh, taking people like being, um, parental with them. Like I forgot the, 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 how you would say it in English, but without infantizing people, like treating people as kids, right? Um, I think it's it's a good uh, it's a really good product to uh, to put in the market. Just uh, just forcing uh, forcing one way DCA uh, into Bitcoin and then uh, not uh, not ever turning back, basically. And dare we mention the word shitcoin? <laughs> probably a good point to bring that up 
You've even written articles in this, uh, yeah, in French and English. Um, I can't remember the title. What was the title? The Great Plague of Shit Coinery. That's right. <laughs> the Great Plague of Shit Coinery. And it hasn't fucking stopped, mate, has it? It's like, you know, looking back in 2017, you'd think, right, we've had that now. We've all learned our lesson. But still, here it comes. And not only that, it's brought its mates NFT along for their journey and, uh, and DeFi and whatever else that uh, it's just mm -hmm. a shit show. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. So last time I checked on CoinMarketCap, there were 7,000 cryptos mm -hmm. um, or shit coins. And I just checked right now. It's at 11 thousand oh my god eleven thousand and 165 i mean yeah it's insane there look there's a there's a huge economic incentive to uh to mint your own shit coin and and convince others that they should buy it to because it's an amazing new innovation or because they will be able to dump it on other more gullible folks a bit later on. And uh, yeah, I mean, this, uh, this shitcoin stuff has been like this for since what, 2011 or so when the first uh, shitcoin was ever launched. And I don't think it's going to stop for quite some time. You know, for, for the information to be spread in the market that everything besides bitcoin is is a shit coin is going to go to zero it's going to take a few years right um and i don't think any amount of regulation should prevent that discovery from happening right from from this information to spread at its own cadence uh unless of course it's outright fraud fraud should always be uh you know fought against but i mean Besides that, yeah, it's uh, it's going to take some time for people to learn. Um, and uh, I think the worst part of this whole thing is when people say on Twitter, um, yeah, you know, it's only Bitcoin, like 99% of cryptocurrencies are, are shit coins. And uh, actually, yeah, it's no, it's 100%. It's not 99.5. It's not 99.9. It's 100% of shit coins meaning anything but Bitcoin is a shitcoin. And until there is consensus on that statement, um, they will have some semblance of market cap and trading volume and all of this. Um, and I wonder, yeah, in the future when or if or when there is hyper-Bitcoinization, are these projects... Are these going to go like flat to zero um, or are they always going to be a bit traded because of degenerate gamblers? I don't know, but they will most likely uh, be, uh, be at a much lower level than what they are today. The way I try and help people understand it is it, it, because we, when we say that they're all going to trend to zero, it's very hard for people to understand that. Like they, 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 it's like, no, you can't say that. You can't predict the future. And, you know, what's to say that Bitcoin won't trend to zero? It's like, well, 
there are a lot of things that we can point towards, like the distributed nature of the, uh, the the ledger and, you know, it's the network effects and whatever else that are going to underpin this thing and the likelihood of it going to zero are very, very minimal at this stage. But the other centralized projects, which have actual people in charge of them, are going to change over time. And if you look at any other company, any other company is going to trend to zero, right? Boeing is going to trend to zero at some point. GE at some point will not exist. Cadbury's chocolate, you know, that, that was bought out is now craft. So Cadbury, as we knew it, gone, zero. Same thing will happen with Ford Motor Company, but it's very difficult for people to, you know, have that kind of aha moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It is uh it is hard because uh, I think the scale at which uh, Bitcoin could grow is uh, is unfathomable. Like it's very hard to relate because because uh, yeah, we've never had such a monetary instrument. And you know, there's this meme on Twitter. It's like infinity divided by 21 million. Good old Canute. Is that yeah. exactly? <laughs> is that for real or not? Um, but yeah, I mean the reality is it's gonna go uh, it's gonna go way up uh, NGU and uh, and if you look at uh, you know the stock to flow and you believe there's some kind of correlation between the scarcity of of Bitcoin and the sort of hardness of that ratio and its price or how people value it, um, then yeah, it's gonna go it's gonna trend towards infinity. Um, so, um, to me, like at this very moment, it makes little sense to allocate money elsewhere because you're seeing this thing, this, this commodity, which is electricity being captured and, and monetized in real time globally to, like it's, um, and I mean, like you can you can hold it, you can sell it whenever you want, you can do whatever you want, you can post it as collateral. Now you have some new banks that take it and give you some dollars or euros against it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, it, I'm, I'm not investing in anything. I used to do, you know, stock markets and have the diversified portfolio. Uh, I used to do, you know, index funds and and robot advisors and all that crap. Um, and now I'm all in Bitcoin and a lot of other people are like this. They're my age or, or your age or, or whatever age. And they're realizing this. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it's uh, and at some point it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you have people who believe that it may go up then it all go up and all the rest will be divested gradually. Uh, and uh, until it, there's a huge, uh, huge deflation um so um no it's uh what what a what an amazing time to be uh, to be alive seeing this and being part of it is uh it's incredible it's a total privilege and it's it, it means something completely different to everybody that touches it right you know probably for most of us in in this part of the world it's a store of value but for many others around the globe it's a lifeline medium of exchange, but it's the same asset and we're all touching the same asset. And that's what just it, it, every day, I, I can't 
bring my mind to even kind of comprehend what we are living through and this 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 time of change and to be a part of it and to have seen it to be lucky enough to have seen it uh, well no there's no luck involved in the amount of hours that we've all put into understanding it i suppose uh but to, to have to have questioned it and arrived at this point to be having conversations like this and to, to meet people like yourself and to, to see that the work you're doing, not only with Knox and building your own company, fighting through the regulations, trying to get everything done, making sure it's going to be you know absolutely perfect. You're building a huge moat for yourself, I think, in, uh, to, to use a horrible Fiat Warren Buffett term. But in France, how many other people, <laughs> how many other people are going to do that? Right. There's very, very few people willing to tread the path that you've just trodden to build, first of all, in Bitcoin, second of all, to go through all of the regulatory stuff that you've had to face. Uh, there's not going to be many following your footsteps. <laughs> Do you think? I mean, uh, no, and it, it kind of sucks, right? Because competition is good. Yep. It's really good. And, um, and right now they're putting a huge barrier of entry to uh, local entrepreneurs um, yeah, I mean, uh, and, and the fight is not won yet, right? Cause what we're not live yet. We still have to go through that regulatory approval. You're, you're, you're burning time and capital. Uh, and then you have to convince the market that your solution is good enough for them to trust you and, and give you some of their euros as, as fees. So, I mean, it, oh, you, you better have is... some, you better have some good UX, man. I mean, seriously. <laughs> UX is, uh, there, there are a few things we're, we're proud of, and I, I think UX is, is decent. Uh, Do you need to shill any team members at, at this stage? I mean, so um, we're, we're three. So Amber uh, Isteritz is, uh, is working with us, and she's, uh, she's been there since the very beginning. Um, she's, uh, she's working on, on all the design aspect so whether it be the the branding or or the uh, user interface and experience design for for the, the mobile app or the website and so on um, and Alex of course is uh, is the the third uh, partner he's the developer the the builder uh, putting all those designs and all these ideas in, in concrete basically. Uh, and right now, integrating all the different APIs that we're, um, we're, we're putting together to have this application come to life. Um, and he is in Canada. Amber is here in France, in the south of France with me. Uh, and Alex, he's still in Montreal. He came over uh, a few weeks in France earlier this summer. Um, and now he's in Montreal. Hopefully, he'll, he'll be back in Europe and perhaps permanently, knock on wood. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, we're, and we're all wearing different hats, right? It's, uh, cause it's, uh, it's an early project where it's self-funded. So we, uh, we put our own, uh, cash in there, our own Satoshis. Uh, we have our own, uh, Bitcoin back loans to fund the business. So we have skin in the game <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so far, uh, so far, so good. Mate, that's awesome. I love it. Brilliant. Startup, classic story, bootstrapping it all, and uh, you know, small core team. What about? Uh, let's talk about Knox because you, you're still involved with Knox, as I'm. Yep, yeah, you are. Yep, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. 
that is a service which I think uh, a few of the listeners might be interested to hear about. So definitely shield Knox to the, uh, to the hills. Let's go. Yeah. So Knox is, um, is a Canadian based business that does uh, custody for Bitcoin. Um, and it does it in a special way is that as a custodian of the keys, it has the ability to get full insurance coverage on, on the holdings. So say you're holding, you know, a million or $5 million worth of Bitcoin. Um, Knox can get the equivalent in insurance policy and issue it to you as a certificate with the insurance broker, which is Marsh McLennan, like a pretty large uh, broker in the UK. Um, and Knox works with uh, Bitcoin businesses, so exchanges, lenders, funds, um, and high net worth individuals. It's mostly concentrated in Canada. There's a little bit of activity in the US um, and nothing in Europe for now. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Knox has been around since 2018. Uh, and really the, uh, the, the bet of Knox was to build a custodian that could be trust minimized, right? Because usually we say, you know, custodians are trusted third parties and their security holes. And I agree with this 100%. People should hold their own keys. There's no question about this. If you're not doing it, learn how to do it. Um, buy a cold card, a treasure, put it on a, a green mobile wallet, but learn to do it gradually. Um, but Knox really, as a custodian, like there's going to be custodians, right? There's going to be custodians for, for exchanges um, who have their customers, you know, leave assets on there because they want to have the ability to trade instantly or do a bunch of other things um, that require to have the asset available. Um, so you're going to have custodians. And so Knox was trying in 2018 to, to have a custodian that is trust minimized in the sense that if there is an error, if there is a theft or a loss, including internal theft, meaning um, employees at Knox trying to steal from customers, the insurance policy would cover all these cases and, and make the customer whole directly via the insurance policy. Um, so yeah, so the company was started in 18. Uh, 19, the insurance policy was created and bound, meaning it's a completely bespoke policy. Um, and, you know, that may be a little bit of a too technical or, or boring topic for, for, for some folks. But I would say the, the one-liner is that usually you're going to have custodians out there who say that they have insurance and that's it. And they've been treating insurance as a binary. You either have it or you don't have it. And the reality is much more nuanced than this. Um, and it really matters like what types of risk are covered and how much coverage you have for these risks. Uh, and usually custodians are either short on the capacity, meaning they hold $10 billion of Bitcoin and they have $200 million of policy coverage um, and they only have a few risk categories that are covered 
And so that's the special case of Knox is that it's pretty broad in the risks that are covered and it has the ability to be, to be scaled, uh, dialed up or down basically based on, uh, on the amount of holdings that customers have. Man. So, I mean, if, the, if there's a pleb out there in the U S or Canada that has any kind of doubt in their mind, or perhaps the, the hardware wallet has just started getting a bit too heavy or come Christmas might be a little bit too heavy for them. And they're losing <laughs> sleep for the wrong reasons that, uh, it, it's too much. There's a solution that they well, can call up Knox and at least maybe have part of their stack custodied and the whole stack insured. Uh, walk us through like uh, like a, a typical kind of option that somebody might consider, because obviously, as we know, everything comes with trade-offs. But if somebody's sitting there losing sleep because the hardware wallet's got a little bit too heavy, what's the kind of thing that Knox can provide? Yeah, so the big thing that you're losing when you're working with Knox as, a, as an individual is control. And usually it's a, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge trade-off that people and Bitcoiners are not willing to, uh, to, to give away, which I 100% understand. And, and myself, you know, I would not want to give away control of my stack. So that's why like Knox is mostly tailored to businesses who hold other people's Bitcoin. And usually they hold the Bitcoin of others uh, as a, it's sort of a, it's a byproduct of their operations. It's not their core business mandate. And so they want to basically outsource it. But if you're an individual and you want to, you want to delegate some of your, your key holding to uh, to a custodian um, with Knox, you're, you're getting a simple solution that is, optimized for high security, um, but you're losing on sovereignty. And so I really try to understand um, key management. So Bitcoin custody in general, in those three lenses, it's you have simplicity, you have security, and the third pillar is sovereignty. And you can only mostly optimize for two. So if you're, optim if you're grabbing Knox as a solution, Simplicity, yes. Security, yes. Sovereignty, mm, no. Um, on the other hand, if you're using, say, um, another solution out there like a Spectre, which is, you know, it allows you to to create your own multi-sig wallet or or Dux, uh, the other software that we built, you're optimizing for security, for sovereignty but it may be a bit more complex. So simplicity, nah, not so much. And, and then I guess, yeah, it's up to the user to decide what trade-off they want. Um, and if you want simplicity and sovereignty, it may be a bit less secure, like a single SIG hardware wallet. Um, and so, yeah, so coming back to Knox, um, right now we're... We're onboarding some high net worth individuals uh, who have in the range of, you know, if you have under 500K, it, it doesn't make much sense because the fees are going to be too high and you're going to be overpaying. So it, it, it's not the goal. 
but usually it would be around, you know, two to $3 million. Uh, and that starts to make sense. Um, and the insurance policy is really to protect you as a client against knocks. So if you are making negligent mistakes and you're, you're giving access to your account to other people or, and, and the withdrawals that we receive, for instance, are deemed valid, that's not covered in the policy, right? Because insurance carriers, they can't cover it all. Like it, they, the, the, the policy is, uh, it has a list of exclusion. And, and for instance, what's called uh, gross negligence on behalf of, uh, on the side of the client is not, is not part of the policy. Which makes sense. Right. But it's always good to, uh, to clarify because, uh, yeah. Again, some people are going to hear, oh, Knox has insurance. So if I do something stupid and I throw everything away and uh, I can't have access to the account, like, or someone grabs it and steals the Bitcoin from me, like, that's covered. No, it's not. <laughs> um, what, so, what situation uh, would be covered? Have you ever had to um, cover a situation, something that's happened before? There, there's never been a claim event. At Knox, and uh, you know, knock on wood, uh, it stays uh, stays like this. Um, but a situation that would be covered is, for instance, um, someone at Knox, either by negligence or or actual like intent, um, causes a loss or a theft. That is covered, and this to most people are, is not going to seem like it's a big deal, but for people who understand custodians and their operational model, it, it, is, uh, it is quite important because right now, to this day, most custodians, they, um, they rely on, on internal human policy. Like you have a, a document that highlights a set of rules and uh, you have to follow those rules. And that's why custodians are highly regulated because you want to have people who are serious, professional, reliable, trustworthy, because um, they rules can be broken. Um, and Knox decided to stay away from this because it was, uh, was a young startup at the beginning. It didn't have the, uh, the ability to be regulated as a, a trust would be, for instance, offering custody services. So Knox built the custody system such that people internally, so staff, directors, management team, uh, or, or any employee basically are locked out. You're locked out of the custody system. There's just nothing you can do unless a customer initializes a, a withdrawal request on their end. And they have special hardware to do this. Um, and if they don't do it, the funds are just locked. Um, so as a custodian, you're you don't have uh, you don't have that control over the funds, and so and then explaining that model with insurance carriers, and uh, and highlighting essentially the different steps that were used to build this infrastructure, um, and helping them make be comfortable in the uh, in the probability of the risks occurring and the severity of those risks, um, the the policy was sort of built really custom around that model two more questions if a claim ever did come in and uh you, you had to deal with that 
Would that be paid out in Bitcoin or fiat equivalent at the time that the claim came in? Or, you know, what, what's the... That's a very good question. So uh, it is paid. It is paid in cash. So it's um, in insurance. Uh, at the point, at the point that somebody made the claim, or at the point that the claim uh, is settled, because there might be a couple of weeks lag, right? So exactly. So and that is uh, so that is at the discretion of the insurance carriers. Essentially, that's in the contracts, and uh, and the reason is there is. Uh, there is someone who's going to bear the, the market risk, mm -hmm. whether it be the policyholder or the insurance carrier. Um, and right now, it, I, basically, the, the insurance policies in that space, because they're still so nascent, there's a lot of um, gentleman agreements and negotiations. And um, even if, let's say, the worst were to happen and your policy doesn't cover the claim, um, it may very well be the case that there is a payout, right? Because if a big event were to happen at a major custodian and it is known that this custodian is insured, but the claim is not a claimable event, um, it may really put a, a dent in the industry and in the, in the risk category overall. So, uh, so, so yeah, these, these, um, these policies are still, I would say flexible and I, it's kind of a, it, it feels like a salesy bad answer. Uh, but that's the reality, man. I mean, the insurance market is, uh, is such, a such, a an old, uh, old industry that is built on, on trust and reputation still to this day, you have big policies that are discussed and negotiated and you know around uh around very good bourbons or whiskeys essentially <laughs> <laughs> get the cigars out and so yeah. if somebody then i don't know maybe i'm thinking like boomer age upwards like uh, 60 to 75 year old high net worth individual or maybe one of the plebs listening has been trying to pill that mentioned high net worth individual and if they've got three to five million dollars that they want to deploy but they don't want to do that over an exchange any of these shitcoin casinos and they don't want to just you know dollar cost average or you know hundred thousand a week on a on an app <laughs> this sounds like a good option for somebody especially with that mindset because if they're of that age they would prefer a white glove service and they would prefer that it be insured and they would prefer that there would be written policies and then there's a person that they can speak with and that person is actually going to buy the bitcoin on their behalf and store it for them is that like this is the kind of i think that sounds like a great service for for that kind of age demographic mm -hmm. yeah no definitely the white glove uh, aspect is uh, is very important and in Canada, we um, we sort of did a, a soft announcement on this, sort of uh, helping companies or, or high net worth individuals sort of purchase Bitcoin directly in an insured Nox account. Um, and it is, yeah, it, it is a use case that's growing. Um, we've uh, we've seen some some good interest on that. Uh, Nox so far has been uh, doing it manually so there's a 
most like a you know white glove concierge type of OTC service where you uh, you abstract away all the trading details and complexity from the client and um, and do it with them either by dollar cost averaging or or helping them buy in a you know one time uh, lump sum uh, and then really yeah making it a making it a, a trusted relationship it's um Nox is way more than a tech product. Like it, it has to be a trusted partner where, you know, I, I'm speaking with some high net worth individual clients at Nox who essentially they want to call you and talk about the market or or get a sense of uh, this news that they heard about a hack on an exchange or and and all all of that sort of. Uh, I believe comes around the sort of uh, the product uh, of custody and um, and brokerage model, right? It's sort of a it, it is already the case with high net worth individual services like family offices, where you have sort of a that white glove, dedicated, premier type of service. Um, and I think yeah, it's gonna definitely make uh, it makes a lot of sense to export that to uh, to Bitcoin. Boomers, uh, boomers, they have a, a lot of liquidity available. So uh, definitely, and you know, a good, uh, a good segment. Yes, for sure. How about bigger, like uh, funds, companies, or are you, are you seeing any kind of movement there that uh, has been picking up since? Obviously, the the MicroStrategy news, which seems so long ago now, uh, but then uh, the El Salvador news. What have you seen in the market? Has has that started some ripple effects? Uh, the bigger players coming in and asking for this kind of service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we actually did a we did an announcement of a partnership earlier this spring with a with a public trust in Canada, um, and the goal was to offer uh, what they call in Canada qualified custody offering, which is a it's a very, it's a very much a registered, regulated custody offering, which um, essentially has the ability to um, store public fund holdings, right? Uh, so think of it as like ETFs or or any other listed um, uh, products that have some Bitcoin holdings. They they should be able to use such such a service. Unfortunately for us, the uh, the announcement uh, after the announcement was done, the, the deal fell through um, because, uh, and this is public information. It was disclosed by the by the the company that is uh, that was in the in the relationship because of of market volatility, basically. Um, and I think I think that's uh, that this is something that's more general. Uh, whether it be in Canada, perhaps less so in the U.S., but still in France, definitely there's still a, a risk aversion towards uh, Bitcoin. And um, even if you're a money manager, a risk manager, and you see this thing run up to 60k and then crash, crash to like 30k, that short-term volatility is uh, if you don't have all the fundamentals well understood and established, like it's hard. It's very hard to uh, to swallow to make sense of it. So, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, we've had a we've had a bunch of discussions with banks 
in Canada, like the older banks, pretty much. And there are not that many, so it's uh, you know it's quickly uh, you quickly have these uh, these conversations. And uh, yeah, I mean, essentially, it's uh, it's uh, nothing's happening, right? Um, or at least there, there are discussions basically happening, and uh, and then nothing materializes. So um, I haven't seen anything happen in Canada from banks. Um, maybe we'll we'll see in the in the coming uh, coming months, but um, it's uh, it's taking uh, it's taking time. Um, and I think that's because they have vested interest in not seeing Bitcoin work in a way. Because they have so much exposure to other other asset classes that would uh, would be hurt if uh, if Bitcoin were to succeed. So um, if you follow the incentive, it, it definitely makes sense that these banks are not adopting Bitcoin right away. Yeah, but it just seems like such an absolute perfect match for a bank. I mean, JP Morgan um, they just announced right that uh, they're going to start making Bitcoin available for their uh, their private. Um, uh, mm -hmm. clients that seems like a, an a, just a, an immediate plug-in to a company like Knox for for JP Morgan to do that and to cover themselves uh, so surely this is only just moving in one direction yeah yeah surely I mean it's uh it's inescapable right you see these banks sort of criticize Bitcoin publicly uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's been the worst <laughs> he's been the worst right uh, he's just been such and, a uh, douche and now he's the first First to uh, to advise his clients to buy it, and probably making a, a killing in fee on fees and uh, mm -hmm. opening up these new uh, these new Bitcoin business lines. So uh, I mean, it's great anyway. It's uh, that's the beauty of uh, Bitcoin and the free market. Anybody can participate, and uh, yeah, even uh, even our enemies, right? That'll be the most annoying thing that they'll make a shitload of money on fees. That they're charging their clients and the spread that they're um, charging their clients when their clients should just be doing it themselves. They don't need JP Morgan to green light them to go and buy a Bitcoin. No, you're right. God damn it. Anyway, yeah. mate, is there anything we have not touched on today? Uh, because I know we can carry on chatting for for hours but uh i've already seen we've been going for an hour and a half so is there is there anywhere else that uh you want to take this conversation i mean uh we could do uh part uh, two three and four in a few months uh i mean we've covered uh <laughs> we've covered uh, quite a lot of uh quite a lot of ground so far so uh i think uh it's a good uh it's a good start excellent well tib i can't wait to actually have another real beer with you at some stage uh well coming up in biarritz surfing bitcoin biarritz end of august organized you're by the get your, uh, guys. your vax pass we didn't talk about this but uh oh, oh maybe, okay uh, yeah, maybe for no. another one <laughs> i'll be i'll be uh without a vax pass but still drinking on that rooftop bar and um that's going to trigger a lot of normie karens that are down downstairs on the promenade looking up at a bunch of bitcoiners like how the hell are they all up there without their vax pass having a good time and did it yeah oh my it's, god the, the serial killers yeah absolutely right? you're gonna kill everybody's grandmas up there <laughs> hysterical um no nah. uh yeah we, we should probably um 
no, let's not get into that one. That hey, yeah, it's this one is a it's a complicated matter. But uh, I mean, today actually, uh, there's going to be the results of the constitutional committee, right, in uh, in France around the vax pass. Um, so we shall see what they say. Uh, but so far, the Senate and the National Assembly, like the Parliament, uh, approved it, which is already insane. <laughs> um, but we shall see. I mean, overall, the big issue is that it's just separating people. Mm-hmm. It's creating a huge fracture, like the vaccinated, the unvaccinated, and the masks, uh, the unmasked. And that's never good. The, yeah, it's the, they, they keep they keep choosing different ways to divide people. It's as if they've just got their hit list and it's just wait this hit list out as long as we can, I suppose. But uh, it's it's been really disgusting to see. I mean, I don't know what you've experienced so far, but Monday was the first day of the um, uh, the, the Vax Pass, uh, Pass Sanitaire, that they call it here, right? Mm-hmm. And we were like, Goddamn, summer has been so bad here, by the way. Don't get me on climate change. But that was the one <laughs> that was the one hot day of July and August so far. And the kids were like, right, let's go to the water park. Let's go to the water park and, and amusement rides and whatever else. It's 45 minutes away. We knew full well it was the first day of the past Senator. I'm like, screw it. I guarantee you they're not going to ask us when we get to the front of the queue. Everyone queued up outside, almost no one was wearing masks. And I was watching as they got to the window, the tourists were ready with their QR codes and whatever else, maybe they had a negative PCR test or whatever. The lady behind the cubicle didn't ask, didn't care, just wanted to get people in the park so they could have a good time and Mm. visit because she knew it's going to be pissing rain for the rest of the week. They had that one day. We get to the front of the queue and I ask, you know, three kids, two adults, what age are the kids? You know, 13, 10 and 10. Okay, you know, 67, 87 euros, whatever it was. Thank you very much. Au revoir. Nothing. Not one mention of it. The only thing they put outside was a hand-scrawled A4 piece of paper kind of stuck, like, blue-tacked to a notice board with, like, the most basic kind of instructions on. You would have missed it if you weren't even looking for it. So I'm sure that was there just in case someone come around to check and, you know, whatever else. But I've also been to restaurants and bars and cafes. No one's asking me because this is people's businesses. They cannot turn away 30 to 50% of the people at the front door if they want to come in and ask and spend their money. And not only that, where we live especially, this is a small town. This is a community. These are generational businesses that have served generational customers. Mm. You you can't turn away a family you've known for two generations, or you can't even turn away. You can't even ask them. Like that, you're asking shop owners and cafe owners and restaurant owners to now become police of their community. Some will do it, and their businesses will go out of business because word will get around very, very quickly that, um, you know, that the community and the locals, you know what it's like here in France. It's, it's everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. The thing is it puts pressure on, on business owners, restaurant owners who, uh, if they don't do that and you know, it works out, it's fine. But if there's 
there's enforcement, then it's like um, it's a, it's an additional stress on on those uh, business owners, right? And um, and also like you're like you're, you're gonna see like if, if if the business owner doesn't do this, like let's say it's a restaurant, um, you're gonna have some customers who are freaked out, and you're seeing it already in France, right? Um, if you come into a restaurant, oftentimes the restaurant owner like they tell me like, please like put the mask on. Like, I don't give a shit technically, but it's in case there's the police coming around. Like, I don't want to get the fine uh, or I have other customers who are afraid of it. So they will, I'm afraid they will leave me a bad review or report me or whatever. So it's just, uh, yeah, this, this Vax Pass is creating a, a pretty, pretty nasty environment, pretty toxic. So I hope it doesn't get approved, but I can only hope. And if it does get approved, we'll we'll see. Um, I think the you know the the countryside is a, is a really good option. Um, like you said, right? Living in small villages where everybody knows each other, and uh, even you know the police is not going to enforce it. That's uh, that's good. Otherwise, big cities, eh, I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be complicated. Yeah, it certainly is, and it will kill big cities again. People will leave. So what's that going to do to commercial and, and residential real estate? <laughs> it's gonna, then they're yeah. going to be forced to print more cash. It's, oh, yeah. it's mental. And if, not, if it's not for cities, like it's going to be for something else, right? They'll, uh, they'll print more cash to, uh, to save the earth from, uh, from Bitcoiners boiling the oceans with proof of work. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yeah. Just keep printing, guys. You print it, yeah. we'll stack it. Exactly. That's the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tib. We'll leave it there, mate. Great to see you and uh yeah, look forward to seeing you in Beerits. Thanks, Daniel. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to today's show with Thibaut. I hope you got a great deal of information from him, a bunch of hopium a bunch of bullish feels because I certainly did and I always do whenever I speak with him this is a young man that is dedicating his life's work to Bitcoin building a company building a bank in France one of the most heavily regulated countries out there he's wading through it like no fear it's so amazing to see and I really really cannot wait to see this come to fruition i will be a user of course if we are still in france if the place hasn't gone completely crazy by then but i will be a user if we are still here and if t uh, if thibault is still here as well because you never know what's going on and of course with bitcoin we have that optionality we don't have to be in a certain jurisdiction the future's bright Futures Orange, keep stacking, keep listening to podcasts, keep reaching out to people, reach out to Thibaut, reach out to anybody that you're following, that you've been interested in connecting with, and go build something, go write an article, start a podcast, whatever it is. Really appreciate you all listening. Please check out the show sponsors. You know who they are. It's CoinFloor in the UK. It's Relay across Europe. Swamp Bitcoin in the US. Stack sat safely, put them on a wallet. Use shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten.